0: If you're visiting, a very special welcome to you. Uh, It's a joy and privilege to have you here with us at Canterbury Gardens, Uh, especially if you're someone who's been exploring the Christian faith or new to the Christian faith. uh, We're very glad that you made the time, maybe even got dragged along this morning. Uh, We are are privileged and blessed to have you here with us. Uh, We pray that you will continue to encounter Jesus um, as we unpack uh, his word this morning. Uh, If you are a follower of Jesus, or if you've been following what we've been doing as a church, we started exploring the book of Ephesians, or the letter to this church, uh, or potentially this group of churches. And last week, we kind of did a bit of a a turn in that uh, the first few chapters, the Apostle Paul has been explaining to this church, hey, this is what the gospel is. This is what it means to, to believe in these truths. These are the effects of believing this truth in your life. And now the rubber hits the road. This is what it looks like now, not as individuals, but as a community, as a Christian community. This is what your life should look like in these sets of areas. And he began by unpacking, firstly and foremostly, uh, about a Christian community. He began and spoke specifically to the group there, the community of the church there. Uh, So last week we unpacked what does it mean to to have a, a community that's marked by humility, And the fruit of that is that there's gentleness, there's patience, there's bearing with one another in love. That they're not just individuals, but they're one united body, living together, serving together. they're united by these truths or these doctrines or this uh, faith that they have that is this one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, and they're all united in this. And this morning, we're going to continue... Picking it up in verse 7 up to verse 16. Here is God's word. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heaven, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before your mighty throne. You're the King who rules over all things and includes this morning. We ask that you administer to us through your Word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us and reveal Jesus more. And once again I pray, Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Through your Son, a great Saviour and King. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, This morning, I want us to just unpack two things, Um, hopefully unpack two things. One, verses 7 to 11, I want us to uh, consider who the giver of gifts is, or in particular, in this context, talking about spiritual gifts. And secondly, I want us to ponder and consider, verses 12 to 16, the purpose of gifts or spiritual gifts. Now, if you are someone who's new to the Christian faith or exploring it, when I use the language spiritual gift, that means that we as followers of Jesus believe in some sense two gifts, in that we believe the one gift, if you put your faith in Christ, he gives you eternal life, salvation. And you read that, what that means in the early chapters of Ephesians. Then Jesus gives gifts. And we're going to be unpacking what that means. So Paul has been talking to this Christian community in Ephesus. He's been uh, explaining to them, hey, you are all united as one body, united together. And then he says, you're all one. And to the point he even says, you've got to be so united that you're contending for this. You're fighting for this unity to maintain that. Then he says, but, verses 7 to 9, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. When he gave gifts to them, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But what he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heaven, and that he might fill all things. Um, so as I've been kind of um, unpacking this and thinking of this for my own life and, and seeing what to share with you guys uh, and I was thinking about an illustration I don't know why but this is what came to mind and I know last week I talked about a couple of sporting moments but this is what came to mind I think one of the most awe-inspiring moments in a sporting event and I can't believe I'm saying this is when the New Zealand All Blacks take to the field Does anyone know what that means? Amen, thank you right? So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, New Zealand All Blacks, they play rugby. If you don't know what rugby is, it's a very complicated sport. They throw the ball from one side to the other. It involves a lot of skill. Um, they head to the field, right? And as they head to the field, there's this amazing moment, if you follow or if you've seen it. They do what's called a haka, right? It's up here on the screen. It looks pretty intimidating and scary. Now, if you've ever watched it, I've, I've, I always watch it when they get to the field, and this is an awe-inspiring moment when they're doing it, but they're all moving together as one united team. It's quite scary. It's quite impressive. If you are an opposition team, they try to pretend to look all tough, but usually I think deep down they're like probably really scared. But they're all moving as one body united together. But as the game begins, they all head off. And they all have their roles. Like I said... Rugby union is very complicated. There's two positions, forwards or backs. And they are head to their all. They all know their position. They're all united, but they are unique. They're different. They all have different roles to play. Now, apparently, that's what happens. I usually turn it off after the haka, but that's what I hear. So this church has been... Uh, Paul has been writing to them and explaining to them, how hey, you are a united community. You are one. But see, Jesus has designed this body of Christ, that is the church. When we talk about the church in Canterbury Gardens, we don't mean this building, we mean the people. He's actually given gifts, or grants gifts. And when Paul says in verse 7, but grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, he talks about the gift, we've talked about salvation, but in this context, he's talking about that grace It's not salvation, but actually extended to spiritual gifts. And I love that because it's a wonderful reminder that spiritual gifts are actually Jesus graciously giving us gifts. It's not our right. We don't demand from Him. He gives it to us. Now, if you're exploring the Christian faith... Uh, This means that uh, when you're given a gift, it's actually not for ourselves. It's to be extended out for the use of others. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's a wonderful reminder that if you have put your faith in Jesus, he has graciously, as he chooses, as he pleases, given you a gift. And the gifts that he's given each of us is not a western kind of perspective or individualistic perspective about me me what can this gift do for me it's actually pushed out it's talking about we how can i use this to build his church his body because jesus is the giver of special of spiritual gifts now, just to clarify once again, Paul wants to, uh, to unpack for the Ephesian church who this giver is, who's given this gift. It's both a wonderful way that he does it. It's both awesome and actually also humbling as you ponder on it. Notice in verses 8 to 10, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Now, if you have a physical Bible, you will see there's kind of indented. It's into quotes. If you have a, uh, an app, you might have a little letter next to it. So next to it, you'll see a little letter. In my one, it says the letter A. It's telling you that this has been quoted from another section of the Bible. This has been quoted from the Old Testament. In particular, you'll see it in your little footnote from Psalm 68, verse 18. What Paul is doing, I think, in this moment is showing who is the giver of spiritual gifts. Paul actually quotes from Psalm 68. Now, if you go back to Psalm 68, it's a wonderful psalm, it's a powerful psalm. So, King David is writing this psalm, and he begins firstly by declaring, May God arise. And that sets the whole scene for the psalm. So, if you can picture or visualize a king, a ruler, when a king has to stand up from his throne, he means business. Something's about to happen. And in the context of Psalm, this Psalm 68, what's going on is this picture of this king who's about to go into battle. And David is unpacking and describing God as the warrior who has fought for the people of Israel. And that's been shown in their relationship with him, how he has saved them from slavery, from Egypt, and he's done all these acts. And then there's this picture of the king returning back to his kingdom or his throne or his resting place. And that's what we have in front of us. Now, it's interesting. Up here on the screen, I've got a little chart for you to have a look at to make sure it's up there. I don't know if you can see that. On one side, you've got the actual psalm itself, that David is quoting in its original psalm. Then you've got the Ephesians 4 version that um, Paul is doing. So in the original one, it says, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts from men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord may dwell there. Then Paul uses the same psalm, and he says, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. There's a lot of debate going on about this psalm, and you can get into that if you like in your small groups. I'm sure this particular section of passage of Scripture, do you know those people in small groups who are the tangent lovers? Do you have those people? You're going to have a field day this week, right? But don't miss the point of what this is about, I think. So in this moment, what Paul is saying, he's making it clear who is the giver of spiritual gifts. It's Jesus himself. Uh, In the old psalm, this uh, attributed to you is talking about God, that is Yahweh, the creator of the universe, the God of Israel. And here Paul says, he. And when he's talking about he, he's talking about Jesus. So he's making Jesus equal to God. Jesus is one, equal to God. And Paul is connecting it, saying, hey, this is Jesus. This is the warrior king. The one who has always descended, who's always been in this throne room, and then has descended. It's a wonderful picture of describing Jesus as the king who has always been. He didn't just show up in the New Testament. He's always been there. And as the ascended one, he rules over things, thing, and he has descended. This is the warrior king who has descended into this world and the language he's here is describing him as the one who's grabbing the captives, it's grabbing people and it's the spoils of war. And in the context of the Christian life, we know that is sin, death and Satan. But then Paul says in this psalm, that this Jesus does not receive gifts but has given gifts to men. Paul, in summary, is saying, hey, this is our warrior king who has conquered sin and death. And now he's sharing the spoils of that. It's displayed in spiritual gifts. It's wonderful, really, because in the old psalm of Psalm 67, if you look at that whole psalm, there's this language of the presence of God dwelling. And we know in the full story of the Bible that when God sends his son... Then Jesus is risen and now uh, is risen and, risen and gone to heaven, seated on the right hand of the Father. And then he sends his Spirit and he comes to dwell in us. His presence now dwells in those who have faith in Christ. And it's displayed by him empowering his church. So in verses 9 to 10 talking about Jesus as the one who both descended, but now is ascended, now rules over. It's a wonderful picture, a reminder to you and I, this is our King, this is Jesus. He is the one who willingly and graciously hands out spiritual gifts. This is the one who has given it out graciously. And to some, he's given to be apostles. To some, he's given the gift to be prophets, to some evangelists, to some pastors, to some teachers. And I love what Paul does. He doesn't go into a bit of a description of what these guys, these, uh, these people do with their gifts. He focuses on something else. What he does is, as Jesus, as the king, the one who is the source of these spiritual gifts, He then empowers and gives it out to his servants. It's a wonderful reminder. We are his servants. We don't demand from him. He He graciously gives as he pleases. It's a good reminder for those of us who are followers of Jesus that Christ has empowered us and given us gifts. And it's his choice as he chooses, as he wills, because he's king. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you have grown up in the Christian church for a long time, when you hear spiritual gifts, a few things go on in your heart, and mind, and a few things you head to different directions. Uh, for some of us, we might know well. I know what my spiritual gift is. I know what it is. Thank you. Some of us might be afraid. I oh, know spiritual gifts. Oh, they talk about prophets, apostles. Oh, well, let's come on. Let's have a debate about this. Let's get into whether you know, they go into that kind of tangent. Some of us, we go, oh, man, look at these gifts. Oh, I wish I knew what my gifts are. I wish I could explore it. Oh, I wish I had so-and-so's gifts. Friends, when we consider the passages we've been exploring in Ephesians, that when Christ has compels us to live as a united community, that we serve a gracious king who is ascended, who rules over all things, and then he chooses to gift his church as he pleases... And whether if you've done the spiritual gift test and ticked it off and know exactly where you sit, but I think in these moments, particularly in our Western context, what happens is whether we know or whether we're afraid or whether we wish we had this particular gift, we ultimately make spiritual gifts about us, about me, about you. It's a very individualistic picture. See if King Jesus is the one who hands it out as he chooses. And the focus is not about us, it's about him. It's actually an outward focus. It's about his church and building his church, his community of believers. Then it's an upward focus because that doesn't actually become about us. It becomes about the king's glory. It becomes focused on our savior. And this gracious gift that he hands out, particularly in his passages, What we have are given, what are the purpose of these gifts? If you look at verses 12 to 16, it says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children In love, it's interesting when you, uh, if you applied for jobs or if you worked in a situation when you have uh, someone send in their resume and they describe their past uh, job um, areas, what kind of job description they've had or their qualifications. Recently, in the UK, a company decided to post some of these resumes that were sent to them, in particular how people described what their job was and what they had as the kind of past experience, how they described their past jobs. See if you can guess what these are. Beverage Dismination Officer. It's a bartender. Digital Overlord. Website Manager. Chief Chatter. Call Center Manager. Problem Wrangler. Counselor. And this is my favorite one. Twisted Brother. Balloon Artist. That's a silly illustration, but what they're doing is they're saying, here's my job title, to make it a bit more fancy, I'm going to show you what I really, you know, to make it much more fancy what actually they did. It didn't matter. See, that's kind of the perspective that we, I think, sometimes focus on, just the gifts, and we forget the purpose of them. See, the purpose of spiritual gifts are given in this. In some sense, it's the job description. If you have a spiritual gift, here is the purpose, right in front of you in these passages. As our King Jesus empowers His people, His church, as He wants some to be prophets, evangelists, teachers, apostles, pastors, then Paul says this is what their focus, this is what their goal is, this is what they should be doing as they use these gifts. They're different, notice that, they're all different, but there's that one united goal, that is to equip the church for the work of the ministry. To build, not a building, but the body. So the end goal is that they're all united. He's already carrying on what he's already been talking about, united as one body. They're all united, not just random, but united in this one faith. They're not just getting puffed up in knowledge of just random knowledge, but knowledge of who this Jesus is, this King Jesus. And the end goal is for maturity. As they use their gifts to build the body and the church, The language here is to present them like a fully grown person. All focused again back on them, grown in knowing Jesus. So in summary, the purpose of these gifts in general are to, to help the body of Christ to grow united in their faith, to grow in Jesus more, and then to know him fully more. And all for the purpose explained again in verses 14 to 16 that they no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. Paul is explaining to the church and even to us today... And particularly in the context of the gifts that he's specifically talking about, some would argue what they call is word gifts or or speaking gifts. And that's why I think he comes in towards the end saying, speaking truth in love. So in this moment, he's saying to them, hey, your goal as you use these gifts in your church community is to help those people to grow in their faith, to know Jesus more fully and deeper. So in those moments in their faith, no longer are they being tossed around like a little kid running to the latest craze and um, uh, activity in the Christian world that ultimately is, as Paul describes, empty teaching because it actually does not come from the true source. It doesn't actually come from Jesus. It's out of made of human cunning. It's actually not God's truth. God's truth will always have His Son as front and center. So he's like saying, as this has been explained, as this has been expressed out, as this has lived out, as this has been utilized, people are growing mature in their faith. It's a wonderful reminder not to run to all these kind of spiritual fads that might be going around, even in our world. Spiritual fad that is like the latest craze or spiritual diet that people might run into. See... Friends, it's a good reminder to you and I that we need to be cautious and discerning the things that we listen to or the things that we watch or the things that we read. If they're not grounded in the good news of Jesus and the gospel, ultimately it's fake truth. It's a wonderful reminder. I mean, this morning as I was thinking and looking at this passage and just thinking about the words, to ask myself, who am I listening to? What am I listening to? Am I testing it out and discerning, or am I just running to it because it's the latest craze because everyone's jumped on it? We are called to be discerning, and the best way to find out is if this is true is, is it building themselves up? Is it causing you to be focused more on yourself rather than outward? And is it ultimately proclaiming Jesus as king? It's a good testing ground and even the things that we've talked about one faith one hope one baptism all those things those truths and doctrines are they undergriding these new teachings or things that you might be hearing but the end goal is, is it being built up in love john talked about how the church community serves together with one another loving one another that's the an outwork of what's going on in the heart This is what it means. This is why, as these people use their gifts, they're trying to keep people away from this stuff that might be out there, causing them to turn away from King Jesus. Paul's vision in verse 15 and 16 is absolutely beautiful. Rather than speaking the truth in love, we have to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church, this um, past week, as I've been meditating on those words in particular, it's actually floored me. It's overwhelmed me. Because if you only really think about it and look at those verses, sometimes we get so caught up in our spiritual gifts and what it is in some, we miss the point of them, the purpose of them. See, when spiritual gifts are used accordingly to Scripture and according to what God says, then, particularly in the context of the passage that Paul is talking about, speaking gifts in particular, truth is spoken, but it's always spoken in love. And that truth is summarized in the good news of the gospel. And then as it's spoken in love, the aim is not to grow just individually or this church building, but it's to grow someone in maturity in Christ, in knowing Jesus more in their own faith. So this is a reminder to you and I that as king, Jesus is the head of the church, the one we are joined together in, not individually, but together as a community of believers, as we're being equipped. The language here once again goes deeper to say as you're being equipped supernaturally in the sense through the Spirit, through His Word, that grows and there's this kind of growth and it's a specific kind of growth. The growth is not heaps of people in a church building. No, it is that they grow in love. So if you want to know what the purpose of your gifts are is to use it to help people grow in knowing Jesus and to grow them in their love and they are united as the community of followers friends it's his gospel that reminds us of that love is it not is it not the gospel that reminds us of his wonderful truth the truth that gives us both truth and love the gospel of Jesus does that and as he gifts his church, as he pleases, and these gifts are used not to build each other individually, but to build his church, his community, as working together as one united body, using their gifts individually, but then in community for his gospel purposes. That means we're then working together. This beautiful picture of a united body. That means everyone has a part to play. If you're part of a local church, you cannot be a consumer. God has called you to be involved in his church life. Use your gifts for his purpose and glory. And that is to end goal, to build people up in love. Often when I uh, go to church, um, pastoral stuff and connect with other people, two questions always asked how's your church? That usually means how big is your church? And two, what are you doing? So what are you doing to grow your church numerically? The ones that I get asked the right questions are the older men and older ladies in particular who've been in ministry for a long time and they come and ask, how are your people doing? So what matters to them is, not the numbers, but they're growing up and being built up in love. Church, I pray that we'll grow and desire this more and more as a church. That we serve together as one. And whether this view of spiritual gifts is there, that, that, to understand that this gift actually comes from our King Jesus. It belongs to Him. So the spiritual gift that you might have, and you might know what that is, it actually does not belong to you. It's His maybe some of us need to focus back on asking the question, are we using our gifts for ourselves or are we gazing it back to Jesus, the risen King, who was the one who was willing to come and descend into this world? The one who conquered sin and death. The one who has saved us from the most dirtiest of slaveries of sin. The one who has now given us His Spirit and has empowered us live for him that means all of us have been given a spiritual gift by our gracious king and he calls us to use our gifts to build his church his community and for his body's glory for his glory do you know what this means this means in this context and this language here that's here, whether it's someone who's an apostle, a gift apostle, particularly in this context, the language is simply someone who preaches the gospel, not the kind of modern versions of apostles that are out there in, the, in our day and time. So don't please don't come and call me Apostle John or Apostle Shabu, Apostle Nathan. In the language here, it's talking about someone who preaches the gospel. As someone who preaches the gospel talks to them about the mysteries of the gospel then someone, who's, someone who might be a gifted prophetic is not someone who is just kind of this weird, magical kind of thing. No, it's someone who is able to look at the truth in the Bible and say, is that true from God? Someone who's gifted in evangelism is saying, hey, let's all work together to reach these non-Christians. And someone who looks at these non-Christians coming into the church who is the gift of shepherd will go, oh, how do we feed them? How do we protect them? How do we protect our flock from the wolves? And someone who's a teacher looks at it and goes, hey, this... Bible is not just for, it's for everyday living, we want you to get into the in deep word, as they all serve together, not individually his body is built for, king, for our king's glory friends to unpack what that means on our everyday, firstly and foremost so the question you have to answer is Jesus king of your life if you don't have that view of him everything else will not make sense Begin there first. If Jesus is king, the one you believe in, who came into this world to die for your sins, who now you have a relationship with him, he's given you Holy, his Holy Spirit, he's gifted you to use for his kingdom, for his purposes, to build his body. If Jesus is king, is he the king of your spiritual gift? Or has it become about you? Has it become about Me? If Jesus is king, church, are we using our gifts to build our own little kingdom or are we building to, use to build his big kingdom? Secondly, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Do you know one way to find out? Asking Jesus, stepping out and using it. Another way to find out is, or another way we as a church can help that, if you recognize that in someone, go and encourage them. Say, hey, I notice this is your gift. I just want to say, good on you for using it for Jesus. Thirdly, if you know and recognize your gift, can I encourage some of us, and this is something I've had to do this, this past week, do you need to surrender, surrender this gift to him again? In our day and age, particularly when we think about individualistic perspectives of gifts, what happens is your gift becomes your identity and defines you rather than the name and glory of Christ. And when you're not using that gift, what happens is you feel like, oh, you're not doing what God has called you to. Really? The one who's the sovereign king who gives as he pleases is also going to use you as you obey him as your gift become your defining name, rather than the one who defines you, King Jesus. And fourthly, we want to serve you as a church community. So after the service, up there on the back table, there's going to be a little sheet. And the sheet is simply this. All I'm asking for you to do is put your name down, and there's going to be two options, a Thursday night or Sunday after church. Put your name down if you'd like to find out what does it mean to use my gifts for the kingdom purposes of building his church. We'd love to serve you as a church leadership. Another place to do this and explore this is in your small group. If you're a small group leader, maybe chat to Nathan who heads up our small group ministry to talk about how you as a small group can maybe explore what other gifts that God has given us. How do we use it in the context of Canterbury? Church family, Christ is our king. He's the one who has graciously given you and I spiritual gifts for his purpose of building up his church. As we serve together, united as one, may we grow in knowing Jesus, grounded in his good news, in the gospel. So as we grow in knowing Jesus, we may also grow in his love. What a wonderful picture of the body of Christ it will be. Let's pray to that end. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, King Jesus, the one who has ascended on high, the one who's above all heavens and the one who fills all things, bow at at your feet. Lord Jesus, this morning, I pray that you would stir in us the gifts that you've given us We're starting to see some of those things happen as a church family and it is a joy, Lord. We pray that you'll continue to stir that so that we use your gifts not for ourselves but for you and your glory. Help us to be a community that will constantly speak truth and love so that we may grow in every way into you. For You are the head of this church, Lord Jesus. Join us together as we sing this last song. May we be a song of surrender to you. In Jesus' name.